and welcome to Land Parties, episode 74 from the Las Vegas Review Journal. I am your host, Ryan Smith, and with me as always, my co-host, Lucas Egan. Lucas, what is going on, my friend? How was your weekend, brother? My weekend was good. We're still in the midst of E3 while we're recording, so we've had a lot of amazing announcements that's been fun to watch. Full disclosure, we're recording before the Nintendo Direct, so I'm just going to throw this out into the universe. What a look at Metroid Prime 4 that was, because we know, we know Nintendo's <laughs> got to show something. Something. Please. Please, Nintendo. Please. please. <laughs> How was your weekend, Ryan? It was good. Uh, again, a lot of it was uh, I was streaming with my buddy Davis uh, over on his channel, CFG Games. Um, we've been watching all the events and stuff like that. I, I was saying uh, just how spicy that Microsoft uh, Bethesda announcements were. So they were not playing around. I anticipated them coming with that heat and they brought straight fire. Uh, so that was awesome. But again, uh, enough about us. Uh our guest today, welcome, Miro. How are you doing, my friend? Developer on the game, Loot River. How are you doing? Thank you so much Hi, for joining us. Uh, thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, I'm doing great, actually. It's a nice weather, you know, recording a few guys, so it's all good. It's the evening here, so my work is done. And, uh, E3 was pretty good, also for Loot River, I would say, so everything's in order. Good. Awesome. I, Thank you so much again for being on. Go ahead, Lucas. Sorry. I was just going to say, I know Loot River looks so intriguing and like so much fun. I think I think I saw somebody describe it as like if you mixed elements of Diablo and Tetris and and threw it together and it looks amazing. Like that game immediately, immediately just skyrocketed up my list and I can't wait to play that. Yeah, thank you. No, it was our clickbait title, you know, like how to learn journalists to write something about it. So, like, you better give them something place to write at the start, right? So, we have like Dark Souls and Tetris because that's everybody's gonna ask, like, oh, what's that? I gotta click on that. So, you know, more clicks for them and more views for me. Yeah, I love it. And especially with such a unique uh, game mechanic like that. Uh, we're gonna, we're gonna get into that, uh, here shortly. First, let's go down. Uh, we had Summer Game Fest. E3 is currently going on. And boy, oh boy, have the announcements uh, been crazy so far. There's a lot that I'm really looking forward to. I'm going to I'm going to uh, go to my go to my list here. Tiny Tina and Wonderland. Um, I'm super excited about that. One of the fan favorite characters from the Borderlands series. Uh, so to see her get her own uh, uh, game and get her own IP, I'm really excited about. Uh, we had um, Sultan Sacrifice looked interesting. I know Chivalry 2 just came out. That's 64v64 Medieval Battles. I believe that's $30 and you can get that now. Um, what else do we have here? We had... Uh, that uh, Blood Hunt, uh, mm -hmm. which is within the uh, Vampire Masquerade uh, series, which I know uh, is is a big series, but I, I actually signed up for the beta for that. Uh, House of Ashes, that's part of the Dark Pictures anthology. Obviously, Elden Ring, a uh, huge, huge announcement. We had this Avatar game, the game that nobody knew that they... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that one was kind of weird. Like, this, like Avatar, like, I did not... like That, it, that seemed kind of weird to me, just because we're so far removed from the, from the movies 
that it seemed like this was the game that they meant to to put out like five years ago, and it's just taken a while to get there. Uh, so that was kind of uh, uh, interesting for them to drop it. I didn't see that coming at all. Uh, we had Watchdog Legion's uh, Bloodline, their new DLC. It's going to be coming out. Rainbow Six Extraction. I was really happy about this. Again, I, I didn't. I haven't played a lot of Rainbow Six. However, uh, I was excited the fact they're they're taking a risk um, outside of the typical Tom Clancy game. And it, uh, it looks really interesting as far as uh, the gameplay. That is another co-op game. It kind of reminded me of uh, GTFO. It's kind of what it, it reminds me of. They also announced uh, Rocksmith Plus Beta with their subscription service for that. And I think that has to do a lot with the DMCA uh, issues that people are running into. So it made sense that it would be a subscription-based thing. Obviously, Mario Rabbids. Uh, I never played any of that series before. It's Sparks of Hope. Mm -hmm. But I hear it's really good and kind of has RPG elements to it and stuff like that. So that might be one that I check out. Uh, as far as with that, Trials of Midgard, Homeworld 3, Godfall is going to be getting some new content. We finally got a look at uh, Starfield, um, a little bit of look, but it was more than we had before. That got me pretty pumped. Again, we were talking about Microsoft and Bethesda and how basically like every game that they announced is going to be a day one on Game Pass, which is absolutely huge. This, I feel, has been Microsoft's plan all along, getting people into their ecosystem and getting more first-party games out there. I think this is only the start of it. Uh, Stalker 2, Back for Blood, uh, Contraband, Sea of Thieves, A Pirate's Life. Uh, we got a little Disney Jack Sparrow and yep. and uh, um, uh, Davy Jones. And yep. I love to see that crossover. Battlefield 2042. Come on now. I'm not even that big into the battlefields. I'm pretty sure I'm going to be getting it. it. It looked super hot. I will most likely get that over Call of Duty uh, when that comes out. We've got 12 minutes. That's a game that I've been anticipating for a while. Oh, yeah. Uh, very, very cool, cool mechanics as far as with the, the story, the casting in it uh, is pretty fantastic. So I'm really excited about that. We got a taste of Halo Infinite. Uh, the multiplayer we found is going to be free, which is uh, that's awesome. I think that's super cool. It looked dope. Uh, they said holiday of this year, which we talked about this a little earlier, and that has us a little concerned that there's not a solid date on it yet. Yep. But um, <laughs> we'll we'll see how that plays out. We also get a Diablo 2 remake, Resurrected. That looks super awesome. I've never played any of the, the Diablos, um, but I'm going to pick that one up. I've, I know the series is amazing. And uh, I, what better way than to go in in through a remake? So you're gonna have to update updated graphics, uh, things of that nature and whatnot, which is really exciting. Um, we've got a Plague Tale Requiem, which is a a uh, uh, sequel to a Plague Tale, which I hear that game is really good. Slime Rancher Two, uh, Among Us, Among Us that has an update, 15 player lobbies. Uh, the Outer Worlds 2, we didn't get much from that, but they had a funny uh, trailer, uh, so that was fun. Forza 5, uh, it's going to be in Mexico. 
And then uh, um, we had Redfall, a new IP that will be coming out. That's another co-op. It deals with vampires, and that looked really good. I can go on, obviously, the the Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm -hmm. That was a pleasant surprise. Did not even – I don't know how I missed at some point that they were making this game. Um, (laughs) And this is Square Enix. Uh, but man, I, I mean, just from that trailer, that got me pumped. I was like, yes, they said no microtransactions. It's a single player game. You know what I mean? Like that's the way to do it. I'm excited to get in and, and, and play as star Lord. So there were, there were a ton of announcements. Obviously we've got uh, Nintendo direct and, and, uh, um, uh, oh my goodness. I'm, I'm spacing on, on the other one for today. Uh, there's another big, uh, big one, but man, there, there is a lot to look forward to in gaming. Uh, what were some of your favorites, dude? I mean, I really did enjoy the, the look into Halo Infinite. However, I would never have guessed in a million years that we'd come out of this conference with a date for Starfield and no date for Halo mm-hmm. Infinite. Like that blows my mind. Like I, I doubt Starfield's gonna keep that date, but. The fact that they have a date next year and Halo Infinite's just holiday, I will be so heartbroken at the end of this year if we don't get Halo or uh, Horizon. And I'm really worried that we're not going to get either one right now. But I still enjoyed the logo. Redfall looks like a lot of fun. Um, That was a surprise to me. And I just love the vibe that game was giving. And it looks pretty amazing. I can't wait for that one. Um... I am I am excited for Guardians of the Galaxy, and I'm kind of glad that it's not attached to Avengers. Like I'm glad that they're going to get a chance mm-hmm. to shine, and I'm glad that this will be uh, single player focused, and hopefully we can get a, a fun and enjoyable experience with that one. I'm still not giving up on Avengers, but if War for Wakanda doesn't draw me back in fully, then I probably would be done with that game. But announcements galore if you're a game pass member you loved xbox's presentation because oh my goodness (laughs) oh my goodness like if you want to talk about hitting it out of the park i wish all these presentations and every conference would be like that just announcement after announcement after announcement short sweet and to the point i i am just like microsoft needed this and they definitely came out swinging and and sony Let's see what you got because you got to respond. And yep, great time to be a Game Pass member. And if you're not, you're going to be missing out on so much content. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and Miro, let me ask you, you guys, you guys uh, recently announced Loot River. What is it, you know, just just being able to you've been working on a project for so long and then you come to the point where you get to share it with the world and, and it's no, you know what I mean? Like it comes out of your guys' hands and now it's like here world here, here is what we've been working on. You know, kind of tell us some of that, uh, like what, what that feeling is like and, and what it is when you, when you start getting that reception and, and start having people talking about it and stuff. It's a relief to finally get it up. You know, like <laughs> obviously on one hand you're ner- nervous that like the reception is going to be bad or like mild or whatever. And on the other hand, you're just mm-hmm. like, let's just like get it out. Let's just like be done with it, you know, show it to everyone and like put your stake in the ground that you're doing the, you know, the games, sliding blocks and fighting or whatever. And it's also like at the point that the announcement comes out, you're usually like one month of trailer production and you're like pretty exhausted and you're just like, 
blessed and sit down and chill for a little bit. But yeah, but it's a, it's a pretty good feeling. Once it's yeah. out there, are you like, are you checking a lot uh, on the reaction to it, or do you kind of like let it simmer in the public for a while before you kind of go and see what what the vibe is? Yeah, no, definitely. It's like I don't really like read through the articles so much as mm-hmm. much as I like monitor Twitter or Reddit and stuff like that and see like what what people are saying or like the players uh, might be saying. Like obviously, I read the headlines or read some articles, but I think it was more important for this game to get some sort of reaction from, you know, to get it noticed by the actual players, uh, mm-hmm. journalists. and the response has been great, like, uh, or, I think it was great. Yeah, absolutely, and there's still, there's still more to come, <coughs> excuse me, announcements-wise, uh, as well, but it would be, yeah, just, just working on, on a project, and then being able to get it out into the world, and, and, see people's like, all right, well, we, you know, we can, now we can step back and, and <laughs> let the people respond however they're going to respond. Um, but there's so many, and I feel like too, so many, uh, uh, indie, indie developers, uh, with announcements and games that are coming out. I love the fact that, you know, it, it feels like indie developers have a lot more of a footing, uh, nowadays and more platforms and more people to work with and get your games out there and, and stuff like that. So, um, it's exciting, uh, to see. And I feel like some of the best games come from these indie developers that are playing with different mechanics and, you know, taking these risks where maybe some of these other companies are kind of playing a little safer, and and a little closer to the cuff. Yeah, definitely. It's like I mean, it's also like it's not so expensive to make a game like Loot River compared to you know Battlefield or something. So it's also easier to get funding uh, to try something a little bit experimental, you know, for 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 the companies or for like Super for example. It's like you know maybe it's a hit, maybe it's a miss, but ultimately it's not so much money if it fails, you know, and and you can try a much more ideas, many more ideas. Uh, uh, this uh, sort of, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, it's a yeah. It's basically that uh, it doesn't really matter for for any of the involved parties so much if it fails or if it doesn't fail. Like what was the case is that you know me and people working on the game will just have to do something else if it fails. If, mm-hmm. you know, if if it's like a huge company that has like projections and need to fulfill some sort of obligations, and it would be quite a disaster if you. Actually, took this big of a risk. So, if you do something that you know that people want, or if you work with an IT, or if you do a formula that works and that you don't need to experience. And uh, I think people have been noticing it in the indie games lately, and the indie games are starting to get more and more popular, especially now with like, the democratization of the tools. It's like it's much easier nowadays to get like, you know, good graphics, even if you're a small team or. or uh, you know, like mimic what the big studios are doing with uh, not so many resources. You know, it's interesting because I know that even in the past few years, there's been discussion about like where E3 fits in or how it needs to change and evolve. And obviously, the pandemic forced a lot of changes and and whatnot. But as a as a developer. Do you see how much value do you see in conferences like E3, and how would you like to see it change? Do you think to better serve uh, everybody and and become a, a its best version of of itself? I think this is a very tricky question because it's a 
different matter uh, how e frame could change to serve new best uh, or you know in the skills like me and how it could change to serve the consumers uh, mm-hmm. viewers best. You know, I think these are maybe two different uh, uh, questions. Uh, but I think it should, you know, especially now that like Corona moving everything online and so forth, I think like chat moderation should be definitely improved. I don't know uh, if you if you watch through the chat, like can get pretty toxic pretty fast, especially when the announcement is not like your ordinary AAA title or or you know, and I'm not talking like. I've heard about my game or whatever. I think the response <laughs> especially because the game has violence and players love violence. So you know, but like I feel like there were some moments where it just could have been handled better. And there's also like I, there was some controversy. I think a little bit with like some streamers getting the permission to stream it and some are not. Yeah, with Nintendo, and it's just like what is going on there? Like, come on, it's online. Who, Cares how it's this is supposed to help anything. I, I don't know, I, and I also don't see enough internet. To, you know, about still feel like instead of going the good direction, it's maybe twisting a little bit into the you know what's the next year we're gonna buy tickets for online conferences. I, I don't know. Yeah, that was uh, that was strange, especially the fact that it's like it's being pushed out there. There's just all kinds of weird little issues with the whole DC uh, DMCA. And, you know, what I mean, it, I, I think it's something that needs to be addressed um, head on, because especially as a streamer, you know, there's some things that are OK sometimes and then things that are not. So, you know, I, maybe that's something they focus on is really getting something clear, clear cut and and updating this stuff again this is i mean DC, uh, dmca was that's like from the what 90s uh it, it needs an update it needs an update they need to get with the times as far as uh you know where the technology is and and what people are doing and getting something that's going to be a little more fit for today's uh uh technology and and things of that nature so we'll we'll see but uh you know aside from that Man, you know, this conference so far has got me pumped. I'm really excited. There was a lot more that, you know, they they are projected anyway, says is going to be coming out this year than I thought. I thought a lot of that stuff was going to be 2022 stuff. So I was really surprised when I said, whoa, that dropped in a couple of months or what? That's You know, they're putting a hard date on it. It's like, all right, I like it. So... Lots, lots more. Again, like we said uh, today, we've got some other big announcements as well. And it doesn't stop uh, today. There's going to be stuff uh, throughout July. So I'm I'm excited for the continued announcements. Um, there's plenty of games to look forward to here in the coming months, uh, the, the this coming year. And then obviously, I think next year is going to be jam-packed with uh, uh, releases and stuff like that. So we'll continue monitoring. Let us know, too, on Twitter. Hit us up on Twitter. Um, let us know what you guys, you know, you guys thought were hot. Let us know uh, what you guys thought kind of didn't kind of miss the mark a little bit. And uh, uh, we may talk about it here on the show. Uh, let's take a quick break, and then we're coming back with Miro. We're going to talk all things Loot River and what they got going on. We'll be right back, guys. If you love listening to us here on Land Parties, what's stopping you from grabbing a mic and starting your own show? And there's no better place to host than Blue Wire Hustle. 
Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. On And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is, you can get all of this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So if you're ready to do more than just listening to us talk about your favorite team or game, then make your voice heard and hustle. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com join. Check out the description box in this episode to find out more. But that's bwhustle.com join. Welcome back, everybody. Thanks for listening to that short message. And now comes the fun part of the episode. And Loot River, as I said before, just immediately shot up my list of most anticipated. It just looks like so much fun and a unique mix. Let me start with when when you were developing the original idea for this game. How did that come about? And how difficult was it to kind of mix those elements almost of, of Tetris into a roguelike? Okay, yeah, this is a really good question because it's also like many people think that these ideas just come like up and, you know, like, oh, I wake up one day and have a genius idea and it's going to work. <laughs> but actually, with Load River, it was very, very, very complicated and I actually canceled the project even at one point uh, because it was just mm. going nowhere. So it's like, I don't know if you know uh, what games I did before. It's called like Euclidean Lines and Euclidean Lines. It's essentially mobile and you can rotate the stuff. It's everything I do somehow revolves around the transformation of the world around the player. It's I find it interesting. But like, you know, I come from mobile and there was arcade coming and like the games were doing pretty well financially also. So I was like, let's make another mobile game. But this time it's about like these sliding puzzles around like movement instead of rotations. And, you know, I was also pretty, like, tired after eating these guys, and I thought, like, it's going to be four months, I'm going to pop something out, you know, get some money, and, you know. <laughs> but it didn't, you know, went that way. <laughs> and, it, you know, we did so much. Uh, like, I started working on a new friend, and he's, like, an animator, and we did, like, six uh, games. Actually, like, they were, like, solid games, you know, like, 20 levels, let's say, like, menus, and, like, Polish graphics, story, whatever. And each of them we just threw away because it was like, you know, it started, it was like an office game that you like try to escape an office and you're also like a deer or something and you look like Bojack Horseman or whatever kind of stuff going on there. And mm-hmm. it didn't, you know, like the problem with this was that it was like a slow puzzle. So like you rearranged the stuff and thought about it and then you moved to the next puzzle and maybe something a little bit different. But it became stale very quickly, you know, after 10 levels, you're like, this is boring, or, or like, mm. you know what I mean? Like, there was not enough to explore, I think. And then we just tried, like, uh, doing, uh, you know, changing the graphics or making it, like, this abstract thing that also, like, morphs the entire environment around you, which was kind of interesting. And then we even did, like, a Inception puzzle game where, you know, you have a, a sliding puzzle, and then you zoom out, and 
you have even bigger sliding puzzle where your sliding puzzle is just one block. So we like like multiple levels oh. of gravity. And this was actually kind of nice. And uh, we pitched this one to Apple Arcade, but oh my god, I like I messed up this presentation so horribly. <laughs> oh no! It's like, uh, it's like uh, you know, I'm like when you, when you when you join in for like you know, like obviously you send stuff, they like it, and then they schedule a call, and they're like a couple of important like people or like you know, Apple people, whatever, and they give you the time and they give you this number, and you're like supposed to call this number, and it's like Apple internal. Uh, hotline, which somehow connects to the conference. Oh, whatever. It's just a number. I was like, sure, it's a number. It's going to be fine, you know? And then, like, it was 6 p.m. here, and they were all headed later there, and, like, you know, like, well, that was, and I tried calling the number, and I couldn't call it because I had, like, so I don't know if you have, like, these, these, these come, <laughs> these come food chains or something. And so, like, this kind of food chain in Austria is offering a SIM card. It's, like, really cheap SIM card. It's a good SIM card for, like, Austrian stuff. So I have this SIM card. But actually, because it's such a shit network, I couldn't call the number. So I was, like, <laughs> I was, like, sitting there. The guys were waiting for me, trying to call the number. It didn't fucking work. I thought it's not going to be a problem. I didn't test it before. And then, like, you know, like, the manager is sending me, like, Miro, we are here, like, 15 minutes. I'm, like... <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, dude, I'm trying. So then I ended, <laughs> I ended up calling on his phone, like on his personal phone. He put me on speaker onto his like computer that connected to the network, but obviously no one could understand shit going one way or another. <laughs> and by that time, I was so nervous with the presentation that I was just like, oh my god. And then they were like, in the end, they were like, and is, is it going to be an AR game? You know, like the both games I think were AR, they were big into AR, like reality. But the game was not that mm -hmm. it just went to nowhere somehow. Like they didn't say flatly no, but I kind of leveled up to the presentation, like, no, no, no. <laughs> this is not good. And uh, and then we just decided to start with the start with the, you know, the boss with the shitting and I mean with everything just like uh, not good. Uh, no. And then but I still kinda of kept talking it, you know, like I felt like there should be something that you could do with it, you know, but like I couldn't figure out the element that was fun. And uh, then one day I was just like, because everything back then was free, you know, and free is kind of my comfort zone because I'm a good modeler and whatever shaders, I, I kind of played around with it. And then I was just like stretching everything, putting the game to 2D and making it real time um, with violence. And back then it was called and it was just like, Completely random, generative. I like I put it together in a week, and like it was just like this frenetic action where you move everything, and the puzzle suddenly is not a puzzle, but it's rather an action mechanic, and it felt mm -hmm. just so fun. Like it was so good that we like played it with friends over and over and over. And then I met Alan Underwood. I don't know if you know him. He's uh, uh he's from Robot Teddy, but he also works for like Super Hot and. Whatever, and he's like, this is such a cool idea that, like, if you figure out how to make it single player, we would definitely be interested in single player. You know? So, uh, I spent like two or three months polishing it, and they, you know, then I pitched it to them and they were like, yeah, we'll do it. And uh, that's how we do That's awesome. And listen, it looks, it looks amazing, and I'm sure it plays amazing. Like, I can't wait. I can't wait till everybody can get their hands on it. You know, roguelikes obviously are, are uh, an extremely popular genre, and there's there's a lot of solid entries out there. 
what makes the difference? Like, how do you ensure that you're making a roguelike that kind of stands above and, and can set itself apart from uh, the numerous other entries that, that come out in that genre? I think it's kind of, in this case, especially, it's not about how do you differentiate from other roguelikes, but rather how do you differentiate from other games. And I think, like, the mechanic is so unique and so somewhat shocking to people that they are immediately drawn to and like we can see it on our like wish list and wish list uh, conversion ratio and everything, people are just like excited by the idea because they've never saw it before. They never thought that you could do it, you know, like or, or you could do it. like this is not an idea that people are like, Yeah, we're gonna make Tetris with fights and this it sounds crazy, you know, when you try to describe the game without visuals, it doesn't sound good. Mm-hmm. It sounds weird. So it's like it's a shock value somehow that is in its gameplay so different from other but I don't think you've ever played or you know experienced something like this, and and I think like, it wouldn't really matter so much if, if the game was or was not roguelike. It's just uh, it's a format uh, that you're trying and that uh, somehow fits well with the game. But yeah, it, it, one thing that really stands out to me too is that the the art is hand drawn. Um, what made you guys? You know, what was your kind of thought process behind that going with hand-drawn as opposed to, you know, maybe CGI or 3D. Um, I, I just feel like it, it really brings uh, a lot to the table with that unique art style. Okay, this is again a very good question actually because there's art style that is completely unique to Loot River but it's not so like, uh, it's very subtle in, in what it is doing. So mm-hmm. unless you are like a technical person, you will not notice what is really happening. You will just notice that it's somehow it's somehow attractive, you know. But like when you look at the footage, you see that there's a light and there's a shadows and there's like 60 FPS animations, and the light is actually illuminating the pixel art and casting proper uh, real time shadows uh, coming out of it, and not just like you know sprites casting 2D shadows, but like it's actual 3D and actual illuminated. So the game is like it is hand drawn, yes, uh, like what you see in pixel art and everything. But then underneath this, there's a 3D layer of information that's used for calculating the shadows and illuminations. So it's like everything that you see in the game has not only been drawn, but has been modeled in a special way to, uh, to receive this light. So you see like the guy has like, internet, like the walls are casting long shadows, the enemies are casting shadows, everything is, uh, uh, you know, and then also the, uh, the enemies and the player itself are not really pixel art as in pixel art drawn by hand, but they're more like, like how mm-hmm. the cells did it. So, so they are coming from 3D models, from processed 3D models, uh, with some special, you know, shading going on. So it imitates pixel art, but it's not really pixel art because it's like with the weapon variety and enemy variety, uh, if we were to draw it by hand, we would die. Like, Especially in a top-down game where you need at least eight directions of the sprite drawn, and it's it's just mm-hmm. uh, it didn't make sense. So yeah, so it's kind of two D and kind of three D, and it's neither one of those. You know, if I can dive into your history a little bit, what got you into game development, and and like what what inspired you to to want to create games? Uh, I never wanted to create games, or like you know, as a kid, I loved video games so much. Like I didn't you know, play so much of them because it's like coming from Slovakia no one really has a you know, console that it's like a luxury before it. 
I mean, my father worked uh, with computers, so we always had like an old computer, which you play like all the Prince of Persia or like the first Diablo or something like you know, you But it never really occurred to me that it's like actually produced by people or like it's produced by such a small company like what they do. And I studied architecture actually. And, uh, but like, you know, in architecture, you also get code a little bit and you understand 3D and, and create 3D models. So I always do like little weird interactive experiments on the side. And one of these experiments was actually the Euclidean lens, like, you know, taking it, but it was just, it was just a kiss, you know, and somehow someone from Pocket Gamers saw it on my Tumblr randomly and they wrote an article about it, like, you know, there's a game coming or whatever. But it was not actually a game, you know. Uh, I like I didn't have a name or anything, and, and I just kind of fell into it. And then, like overnight, because it was like I'm going to write an article. I was like, sure, write an article. And it was like, but what's this game called? I'm like, what game? <laughs> you know, like, and, and then it was like, can you give me a name for this project until tomorrow? So I went to Reddit and I posted it, and I asked people, can you give me some names? <laughs> and somebody came with you clean your lines and like, oh yeah, that's it. And it's, it's, it's that's the one. And, yeah. <laughs> and and uh, that's how it was born. And then I saw like, you know, a couple of other sites wrote about it and actually like major sites. And I was like, this could really be something. Uh, but I was a horrible problem. But uh, I pushed through and we, yeah, I made it, which didn't be long. And uh, it, it sold really well. It got very good reception. And I mean, I don't know how it's in the States, but in Europe, if you're doing architecture, you're kind of expected to come to the office and be there for like 10 hours or something. And then mm-hmm. you come home and mm-hmm. you're maybe expected to work some more. Or like, it's just like work, work, work. And whoever works the most is the king. And it's just like, it's a repulsive lifestyle. And it's also this culture that's like, I didn't sleep last night, so I'm like a good architect or whatever, you know, like bragging about it. And, mm-hmm. and already during my studies and internships and whatever, I felt like that's not really something I could do. And then this came along and it was just having fun and being creative and also creating worlds and seeing all the way to architecture and, and realizing the vision. And, and it's actually worked out very well in such a manner that I well, and tell us too. I mean, there's definitely something you know. It's definitely different from just developing a game and developing developing a game in augmented reality. Uh, what does what does that look like? What kind of differences uh, are there? Because you're working with now, you know, not just this in within a box or within this constraint, but now you're talking about putting it, projecting it. I know you guys also do uh, uh, holographic uh, work as well. Um, tell us a little bit about that process. It's actually not so much different as, as you think. I mean, obviously there are like best practices for interactions that are a little bit different and these and this, but ultimately, mm-hmm. especially with modern game engines, you're going to get some sort of package that's already like wrapping all the iOS stuff, for example. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's already, you know, you could literally just drop a 3D object into it and have it visualized in augmented reality within an hour or two, you know? Uh, so that makes the work a lot easier. Uh, but then you have to, uh, you just have to account for people watching the video from all the weird angles and doing the weird stuff and like there's this you have to account for like onboarding so like when especially back then uh, on the phones it was an instantaneous so like you 
couldn't predict them being they are, but you needed to do the scan the environment so it could catch some points. So I think like the tutorial itself you need to or, or like the onboarding process, you need to think a little bit closer about it. But after that it's pretty standard development with obviously some quirks, but it's it, it's not so bad. And you can't really cheat that much, like uh, so you can <laughs> Euclidean lands uh, on launch, you know, it's always locked to an orthographic perspective where like mm -hmm. the cube is like this. And so how was I doing the rotations was just like calculating the angle on the screen as you're driving, right? So it's like 45 degrees in this direction, this is the matter. But you can't really do that in the AR because uh, the perspective is changing. So, you know, we had to redo the whole input module there. Or, and, uh, but this, for example, wouldn't be an issue if you're doing the more model. And obviously, you can't really do like huge sprawling, uh, not even open world, but like just big game, you know? So, like the AR works very good for these kind of small objects, like each level in the lands and this space is essentially like one floating castle, which is very good for AR. So you just like, you know, you can't really mess it up because if I had like say terrain and on this terrain I would have like little soldiers or something. Mm -hmm. It happened that it like intersects with my couch or like gets out of the zone that I play in, you know, like uh, so it's bigger than my living room, for example, that you cannot reach some objective or whatever. So it's like luckily this wasn't an issue for me, uh, but I imagine for other developers for this and then what you need to do is like account for this in some sort of slight procedural generation so you can Make the playground smaller, like move the terrain a little bit, or rearrange the elements in the game a little bit so it fits the real life space that you play. Nice, very nice. You know, now now that um, a whole lot more people have had their eyes on Loot River, what does that? As you kind of enter, I guess the home stretch, right? As you as people are, are now anticipating the title. How how does that change, or how, how does it change how you think about a, a project? Like, what 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 mindset are you in once you have such a big reveal on on a big platform like this, and then uh, have those fans kind of go from you know maybe intrigued by your project to to anticipating it? Like, does that change how your your mindset is towards this this last stretch here? Definitely, and we're luckily in a very good position here that like. Uh, you know, from our wish list or whatever, I know that I don't have to worry about marketing at this point so much. Mm -hmm. So I can, I could just like do nothing of the marketing right now, just stop with everything and finish the game and just focus on the production. And the game would still be fine just based on the numbers that we have today. So this is a big relief for me. But like, for example, you know, it could not have gone so smoothly so far. So I would know that like, Apart from everything else that we have to do, we also have to figure something out with marketing or whatever. So, uh, I think how your game is revealed at this stage or like, uh, accepted changes a lot how you distribute the, the work or the for future. And we also like, we see what people anticipate or what they like in the game, not like comment box or ask for things. And we also, since the game is now revealed, luckily we can invite to better best randomly. So we don't have just the black person to know who will not tell me that this is shit, but like random people. And I mean, we can, we can watch their engagement with the product and see 
what they like, what they don't like, what they prefer to do, and uh, it just makes it a lot easier. Absolutely. Mira, again, thank you so much for coming on. Tell us, where can we find Loot River? When does it come out? We want to get our hands on it. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to tell you this, uh, unfortunately, uh, because this is one of the marketing things. I thought I'd try. Uh, no, 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 I'm not going to get out of it. <laughs> but you can, however, wish list it now on Steam right there, guys. Miro, again, thank you so much for joining us, talking about it. We really appreciate you coming on. Uh, thank you so much, guys, for having me and for having time. It was extremely pleasant to talking to you. I say it was a lot of fun and and congrats again on the uh, E3 footage. I think it went. I think it went well. Everyone I know who who's seen it is so excited for it. Absolutely. All right, Lucas, what do you got going on this weekend? I'm I'm guessing uh, some more me. Uh, what, what's your plans, buddy? Yeah, we are still plowing our way through the Mass Effect trilogy and probably just recovering from this past weekend. <laughs> and mm-hmm. uh, staying indoors because we have a heat advisory in Las Vegas and it's getting ridiculously warm, which I am not a fan yeah, of. Yeah, it is. What about yourself, Ryan? Yeah, no, uh, much of the same. Uh, I've been, well, Intergrade came out, so I've been, uh, I stepped into uh, Intergrade, been playing that, and then... I may start up uh, ME2. Uh, I'm still working my way through Metal Gear Solid 5, but I am making progress, so that is nice. Um, but yeah, staying indoors is a heat advisory. Totally forgot my dad came in town today, so I need to link up. And I, I know he's in town for work, but uh, I'm sure we'll get together, do some dinner or something like that. So again, guys, thank you guys so much for joining us on this latest episode of Land Parties. Uh, we hope you guys enjoyed this stuff. Again, hit us up on the tweeters at Land at Lamb Parties Pod, at Lucas Egan, or at Smitty2447. Let us know what you guys thought of the show, what you guys are anticipating, uh, and we hope you guys have a fantastic rest of your week. Yo, don't forget, we love your faces. 